while we remain standing, open your King James Bible, please, to the book of Hebrews. If you do not have a King James Bible, you do not have a Bible. You may have a commentary. You may have a version of the Bible, but you do not have the Bible. I hate to hurt your feelings, but that's what the world has led you to believe. Hebrews chapter number 13. Once you've located that, we'll read this out loud. I will, and you'll read along silently with me, as is our custom here at the Anchor Baptist Church. Hebrews, way up by Revelation, way up by Revelation. Hebrews chapter number 13. Once you've located that, locate verse number 10. Hebrews 13, starting in verse number 10, we'll read several verses here, and then we'll make our prayer. Hebrews 13, verse 10. We have an altar whereof they have no right to eat which serve the tabernacle. For the bodies of those beasts whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for the sins are buried without the camp. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered without the, the gate. Let us go, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city, but we see one to come. Look at verse number 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. My Father in heaven, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here. I pray that every one of us would realize that we, the purpose is to come into the presence, your presence, to hear your word, that we, as your child, can adjust our lives to walk with you continually today. Help us please to understand your word. Then give us the power of the Holy Spirit to adjust our lives to your word. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for your people. Thank you for all you're about ready to do. Please help us this morning. We are a needy people. We have to have you and your presence in our life. Help us please in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Consider the lilies, they don't toil nor spin, and there's not a king with more splendor than them. Consider the sparrows, they don't plant nor sow, but they're fed by the master who watches them grow. We have a heavenly father above with eyes full of mercy and a heart full of love. He really cares when your head is bowed low. Consider the little 
introduce you to this friend of mine who hangs out the stars tells the sun when to shine and kisses the flowers each morning with dew but he's not too busy to care about you we Consider the lilies, and then you will know. Hebrews chapter. Number 13, please. Hebrews chapter number 13. Hebrews chapter number 13. Verse number 13. Hebrews 13, verse number 13. Let us go therefore unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. I believe, at least in America, I'll, I'll use the word Christianity, is coming full circle. What do I mean by that? In the first century, Christianity and those who claimed it, they were put to an open shame. They were persecuted. They were talked about just because they claimed the name Jesus. They didn't, they didn't claim the name Christian. Christian was something given to them. Okay? So here's what we have to understand. In Romans chapter 1, verse number 16, the Bible said, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Here's what the Bible is simply saying. It seems as though we're becoming ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We are becoming ashamed. Those early Christians gladly witnessed, gladly witnessed, openly gave the gospel, even if it meant, for example, exile. You happen to remember John the Beloved. What a lot of people don't realize, John the Beloved, before he was exiled to the Isle of Patmos, was boiled in oil, and it didn't kill him. So they decided, we'll send him off to live by himself till the day he dies. And lo and behold, you got the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ when that happened. But I'm simply saying, he could not believe that he could suffer for the name of Christ. There are others who were crucified. Peter was crucified upside down. You know that wasn't his request. They told him they were going to crucify him like, like Jesus. He couldn't believe it. Are you kidding me? I'm getting ready to die like my Lord? Oh, you're happy about that. Then we'll crucify you upside down. And that's what they did. And he died 
upside down. They were trying to embarrass him and shame him. Some were beaten by clubs. We find out here uh, that, that uh, Timothy, history, if you have Fox's Book of Martyrs, you'll find out Timothy. Now just stop and think about that. Beaten with clubs until you die. A bunch of people just gathered around and beat the tar out of you until you die. Not until you say, I've had enough, I give up, until you die. And by the way, it happened. And that's not the worst that happened. There were those whose lives were beaten out of them with stones. And we've come to find out a deacon, a deacon by the name of Stephen was stoned. Guess what he was doing? Calling upon the name of the Lord. He wasn't going, okay, I'm done. I, forgive me, I'll change my mind. He didn't do that at all. That was early Christianity and many, many other things. Look, you're already in Hebrews. Go to Hebrews chapter number 11. Let me, let me read you something. In today's Christianity, and I blame preachers, I really do, for us not telling their people, people who claim the name Christ, of what real Christianity should and may cost you should and may cost you. We just want to get together, praise the Lord, have a good time and go on with life. I think this is coming full circle. Hebrews chapter 11, go down to verse number 32. And what shall I say more for the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David also and Samuel and of the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the... the quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness uh, was made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead back to life again. Stop. Would you like to be a part of that? Now, that'd be something, right? Trouble is, others, others were tortured. Not accepting deliverance. You remember the three Hebrew children, they would not bow down. And the king said, what? Bring him boys in here. They brought them in here and he said this, look, fellas, I can't do this. Now, I made a decree. you got to follow these rules. Everybody did but you. It's kind of obvious. You know, you guys are sticking out, you know, kind of like that. And, and you're embarrassed. Come on, I don't want to do this. So I'm going to give you another choice. You ever notice that when you do something for Christ, You'll get attacked, and if you stand, they will come back and give you another option. Just just check it out. It, it happens. And so here they stood, and they said, O king, let it be known. We're not going to bow down. Our God will deliver us. But if not, by the way, he didn't deliver them from the fire. You, you, you tend to, oh, I'll pray, and just before the bad really happens, God will deliver. But if not... Is that not what they said? But if not, let it be made known. I've got my mind made up. Sound like a song. i got my mind made up that if God does, I'll thank him, I'll praise him, and I'll let other people know. If he does not, if he does not see fit, I will praise him and let other people know. He's still God. And that's what they did. And so we find out here, others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. A better, they're talking about reward when they meet Christ. They'll not be ashamed at his appearing. We're all, if you're saved, going to be resurrected. But some will have a better resurrection. We've got to get out of this mindset. We'll all be identical after the rapture. No, we won't. The way you leave here spiritually is the way you're going to meet the Lord. The way you leave here is the rewards, he said, and my reward is with me. There are rewards and crowns and praises and well-dones and not-so-well-dones, and all these things are coming to us. 
So this idea about we'll all be the same, I'm not sure where people got that. We will all go to the same place. We all have the same Savior. Some of that is, is exactly right. But watch what happens here. Others had trial of cruel mockings, scourgings. That's what happened to the Savior. They didn't get a, a paddling. They didn't get a spanking. They got scourging. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonments. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. That means they were cut in half. Were, were, were tempted, tempted to quit, to change, give up. They held things in front. Maybe it was their children. We'll let you go or we're going to kill your kid. They were tempting them with things that, look, things that don't bother is not a temptation. So they were things that they knew would get them to change their mind. Watch this if you can believe this. They wandered about. Everything was taken from them. And, 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 and so they ended up in goatskins and sheepskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Listen carefully. Listen carefully. Of whom the world was not worthy. God looked down from heaven and said, that's what I expect. trouble is we've run into a problem. There for a while, somewhere along the line, modern day Christianity, and I use that term lightly, after the first century, after the dark ages, after the renaissance, after the great revivals, after all these things took place, somewhere it started becoming popular to be a Christian, to accept the name Christian. Something happened. To claim that name or be called a Christian was almost every day. I mean, really, it's wonderful. The whole world was becoming Christian there for a while. Isn't that good? Isn't it wonderful? There for a while, it seemed as though everybody was a Christian. I mean, it was, it was a thing to be. All your businessmen were Christians. Mormons were Christians. Homosexuals are Christians. Everybody's Christian. Name a person. Name a subject. They're all Christians. We find out here that folks in beer joints are Christians. People who smoke dope are Christians. People who do not even attend church, they're Christians. And tell folks they love the Lord and they're God-fearing people. Just because I don't go to church doesn't mean I don't love the Lord. Look at me very closely and listen to me carefully. You don't go to church, that means you don't love the Lord. I didn't say you weren't saved. I said you do not love the Lord. Today we run into this kind of happening all the time. People never go to church. They never read their Bible. They don't witness for Christ. They do not pay. Uh, they don't pray except when they're in trouble. They dress like the unsaved. They act like the unsaved. They talk like the unsaved. They, they, they run with the unsaved. And these two say, don't you tell me I don't love the Lord. I love and fear the Lord with all my heart. This is what we hear. Very popular. Isn't it wonderful almost everybody is a Christian? Well, don't believe it. The only way you'd fall for that is because you don't have a thimble full of knowledge of the Bible. You could not possibly believe in this world or any age that almost everybody is saved. Scoot over, quit holding hands with her. Oh, I thought that was your line. Sorry, my bad. You okay? Okay, good. Now, listen to me very carefully. It's time, here's the message. It's time for us to go outside the camp. It's time for us to go outside the camp. Now, what does that mean? Sit up. Listen to me. 
It's time for us to go outside the camp. What does that mean? Or without the camp. Go to Leviticus. You know where that's at? Way in the Old Testament. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Leviticus. I want you to find Leviticus and go to chapter number 4. Chapter number 4. God has always wanted there to be a difference between his people and everybody else. His people. And even, even during the great plagues of Egypt, uh, God said, I want them to know that there is a difference between him and the, and the, and the um, Egyptians. He said, this day I will put a difference between the Jews and the Egyptians, God's people and the world. God, so this is nothing new here. Look in Leviticus chapter 4, verse 12. Even the whole bullock, that's an animal, shall be carried forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn him on the wood with fire. Where the ashes are poured out shall he be burnt. What's he saying is simply this. When they're in the tabernacle, they would bring in a bullock uh, some animal, uh, and they would uh, have their sins uh, put up on that brazen altar, and uh, it would be burnt up. I want you to understand, even the ashes that had claimed to have sin on it could not stay. It had to be carried outside the camp. It had to go out to a clean place and dumped and buried. God didn't even want the residue of sin to be among his people. Are you listening to me very carefully here? This is sin could not stay among God's people. So even the ashes, once it was burnt, it would fall through that brazen grate and it would fall into the fire and they would dig that out. They would put it in something. They would carry it outside the camp. Just that which had the taint of sin on it had to go. This to the Jews pictured how God hated sin among his people. God was simply saying, look, I know that was the that was the sin sacrifice. The blood was taken from there. But you see those ashes? Those have got to go. Those are not staying among my people. They have to go. Even the innocent animals carried the sin, that carried the sins of the people could not be judged and punished in the camp. It had to go. And he said, I want you to take that without the camp. Take it outside. Get, get, get it away from my people altogether. This is something I think we're forgetting in modern-day Christianity. The average Christian in today's society, while worshiping and praising God with their lips, their heart is far from him. Genuine sincerity from the heart. We're not talking perfection. We're talking about, I really mean it. I am sincere. I, I really want to do what is right, that kind of thing. Christians today seem to mock sin while they teach and preach to others on what Christ wants. Their own life says, my life and sins are not outside the camp. My life and sin are among God's people. Now, ladies and gentlemen, there's a reason why church does not have the power that it's supposed to have. We do not have the power. It's not because God got weak over the centuries. 
It's not because the Holy Spirit of God cannot do what he did in Bible times. The problem is never on God's side. The problem is always on our side. While we try to glaze over and make things look copacetic, make things look like it's okay, make things look like they're not that bad, and when we really look at the effects of you and the local church, something is drastically wrong when everything becomes popular as a Christian and in first century Christianity and other times down through history, those that claim the name Christ was not popular at all. So either they were wrong or we are wrong. Vance Havner, you do much reading after Vance Havner. What a, what a guy. He said this, it's an awful hypocrisy that declares with the lips what it denies with the life. I used that the other day. Listen to me carefully. He said the shame of too many church members is that they lead a double life. They say they fear God, yet continue to serve themselves. I wonder how many people heard it was going to snow and decided to stay home. I was thinking this morning, I wasn't going to get off on this rabbit trail, but I'm going to. Uh, it's about me. I love to hear about me. And what I found out was back in, I think it was 78, was that the big snow? 78. And uh, I was always taught from the time I get saved, I tried to skip church once. It's my wife's idea, but no, I didn't. Uh, I tried to skip church one time, and sure enough, my older brother came over and found Well, I'm a man now. You can't talk to me that way. See, that's our problem. Even God's not going to talk to us the way he wants to. And my brother hit that door, and I, he said, where were you this morning? I said, hey, look. He said, you shut up. You listen to me. You are supposed to be in church every time those doors are open. You're supposed to be. Tears started coming down his face. He understood how dangerous it was not to be where God wants you to be, with God's people, listening to God's book, preached by God's man. You have to be in church. It's not an option. That was drilled into me when I was a young Christian. See, we don't do that today. Then when came the great snow, even plows and stuff couldn't make them. I drove to church with little children in the car. You young marriage better listen to me. God blessed you with children. You letting children hinder you from giving yourself to the Lord. We drove all the, it's the only time I missed church the whole time we were over, I believe. Went over on a Sunday morning, and you couldn't get in the driveway. Our, the driveway come off, uh, came off of uh, uh, East Broad Street and went down, went across the creek, went around this way, went up over, went over, and then you had to go down to the parking lot where the church was. Nothing had been cleaned off. I don't even know if we had plows. I think we did it all by shovel. By the way, you think you have it tough now. That's the way we used to clean off this parking lot. Got as many men as we could. Everybody grab a shovel, and we just go across there like a plow. So I'm glad I wasn't here there. See, you miss out on stuff. You just don't understand what this is all about. That's bragging rights now. See, that's what that is. It's bragging rights. And so there, you said, preacher, you didn't have to do that. Yes, I did have to do that. I had to get up, and I was supposed to be in church, and if I can get there, I'm going to church. What happened to that? What happened to people going, they're having church over at Anchor this morning? What's the matter with them people? Didn't they listen to Jim Ganahl? He said it was going to snow two inches. What are they doing over there? And the preacher's quick to get up early or the night before. Oh, a blizzard's coming our way. Three to five inches. When is three to five inches in Ohio a blizzard? It's a blizzard when you really don't want to come to church. That's when it's a blizzard. I used to work for a man who would cuss, drink, smoke, 
openly stare and lust after women, and he was married, by the way, but around me, he tried to act like he had come without the king. Oh, he would talk. He wants to delve into things of the Bible. He wants to talk about good and bad. And he went on and on and on. See, what he was doing was trying to say, I really am when he really am not. Second Corinthians, that's bad ink. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17. Bible says, what, what, can somebody explain? You say, well, I don't think it means that. Then pray tell, stand up and tell me what this means. Wherefore, come out from among them and be a separate, saith the Lord. And I will be a father unto you and you shall be my children. God isn't saying saved or lost. He said, we want to have this son and father relationship. You got to get away from the world because I can't go in that direction. I will go there to win people, but I don't live there. Do you not remember Egypt when they, when Pharaoh tried to get Moses to compromise and he said, here's what I want you to do. Pharaoh said, okay, I'll tell you what, you men go. But leave everything else here. Moses, look at me, Moses said, no, no. No, no. God said, oh, he could have compromised right then. Right? That's what it was, a temptation to compromise. And then some other things happened and Pharaoh called him back in and said, okay, 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 you and your children go. But leave everything else here. Moses said, no, no, no. God said, listen to me, every excuse to compromise was being given to him. It come down to it, what he was after was, as long as you want to try to live for God in Egypt, it won't work. It never has worked. It's not going to work today. I don't care how smart you think you are. I don't care what book you read after. I don't care who you listen to online. It does not work. It never has worked. God shows us that illustration from way, way long time ago. You say, but preacher, we live in a different time. I've had enough to deal with him with. Do you believe just because the apostle Paul and the other apostles and all the New Testament Christians and Jesus Christ himself lived a holy separated life in their day that we have to do that too? Yes! 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 Let's see, just because Paul, just because Jesus, just because the apostles, just be, yes. What do you think all that was for? Different time, different place. Well, thank you, Einstein. I kind of caught on to that myself. But there's only one Bible, and it's good for all people for all time. Mark chapter number 8 and verse number 34 says this, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself. You know what that means? Whatever you like, whatever you think, whatever is going on, drop that. Now, if you're going to follow me, Jesus said, that's what it's going to cost you. You're going to have to leave you out of the picture. Because you will take over. Your own flesh says, but I have things I want to do. Your own flesh will say, yeah, but I don't see things wrong with that. Your own flesh will say, I know other Christians who. The only thing I wonder about is, what does God's word say? Is that not what we're supposed to be following? Or other people's advice. Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow. Don't just take up the cross, follow him. Now you got to follow him. He said, if you don't, you're not worthy to be my disciples. If you put your hand to the plow and say, okay, God, let's get with this. Let's work this thing out. And all of a sudden you keep looking back. You remember what happened to Lot's wife, right? Worthless pile of salt. No good to anybody after that. 
You know where her heart already was, right? Back there in filthy Sodom. She'd gotten so used to it, she missed the place. Two angels were leading them out, and she looked back that way. We're here to Anchor Baptist Church, and we have all of this. And if we're not careful, we keep looking to make but we're missing out. You're not missing out. I promise you, or the Bible does, at his appearing, you'll not be ashamed. But we seem to be ashamed now. Don't try to convince me or yourself into believing you follow Jesus. And he's leading you closer to the world. I always like this liberal Christianity we got going on now, right? Recovering fundamentalists and, and uh, those who were deceived when they were young and grew up in a household that was very strict. And, oh, you just don't know how much I've suffered as a Christian. They say you're not very compassionate. That's not one of my strong suits. It's just not. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me, Paul saying, as I am of Christ. So whatever you read about Paul continuing on, and listen ladies, and listening to the Lord, is what we're supposed to be doing. He said, you see that what I'm doing? You, you do that. Hebrews says that we're supposed to obey them that have the rule over us, considering the end of their faith. This is what Paul was saying. He said, look, did you see me how I got through that? Okay, you're not sure you can? Then just do what I did. You want to see how I continue to follow the Lord or how I leave the world out? You're not sure you can do that? Okay, just do what I did. Follow me as I follow Christ. Obey them that have the rule over you and teach you the word of God. In particular, that would be your pastor. My friend, you will never, nor did you have your sins taken care of where worldliness is and where the crowd dwells. That will never happen. We keep compromising and compromising and compromising, making excuse and making excuse and making excuse. Oh, this beautiful, white, snowy, fluffy Sunday morning. Listen to the preacher. I wish you would. It is outside where true Christianity lies. I don't mean outside there. I mean outside the popular. Outside the normal Christianity anymore. We, we actually think normal Christianity is actually a sacrifice anymore. That's how far we've come. So number one, sin was taken outside the camp. Old Testament, New Testament, even today, if you're really going to go all out for God, it's outside the camp. Number two, go to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. We're losing our ways, what we're doing. In all the, the hype and all of the overwhelm. I, uh, years ago, when my office was in the farmhouse over here, I got this uh, notice that down off of 70 somewhere, uh, they were starting this uh, teen, uh, young adult nightclub, sort of called Noah's Ark. And I read about it, and I said, that'll never fly. Nobody will buy into that. Well, look what happened. Now you don't need to go anywhere. You stay in your own church. It's amazing how pastors, especially the old guys, how they compromise to keep young people. Now, don't take this wrong. You want to leave, go. I have no right to change a customer. I'm not allowed to do that. I do not, I, I, you did not say, you did not give me my instructions. God does that. You do not pay me to preach. You pay to take care of all my worldly things that would destroy.
distract me so I can concentrate on what God wants me to do. You understand that part? So what happens is when that happened, I thought that'll never fly. They had Christian ashtrays. And so what you can do, it, it would, what they call it, eating, eating up the, no, so, um, you put it there, it sucks the, the smoke down the side. What do they call it? Uh, almost got there. And, uh, but, but that's what they do. And they had that, and they thought, oh, how wonderful that is. So you got a bunch of parents who really aren't living for God anyway and thought that was a great idea. Anything to keep our young people. Really? including compromising God's word. Is that what we're going to do? Is that what you're looking for? If you do, all of you young adults in here with these little kids right now, you're going to be looking for a place like that. If you do not get your heart and your mind set on, on what that book says, that if you're going to live for me and your sins are going to be, the sins were taken care of outside the camp. Jesus died for sin outside the camp. You're not going to find how to live for God and how to be forgiven as inside where it's comfortable, where everybody else dwells. God went out there by himself, and he said, if you're going to have your sins forgiven, you got to come outside the camp. I think it's time we go outside the camp. Number two, look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 12. Jesus suffered outside the camp. What makes you better than him? Today's young, ignorant preachers, Believe there's got to be a way to get around suffering and still serve the Lord. Just talk to them. They'll tell you, yeah, well, you know, you may not have to go through that. If you live a really good life, you don't have to suffer. Then would somebody please apologize to Jesus Christ? I think he lived pretty good. I, the Apostle Paul is a pretty decent Christian too. John the Baptist, a little hot-headed, but he lost his head in the battle. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 12. Wherefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people, set him aside, with his own blood, suffered without the gate, or outside the gate of the city. That's what he's talking about. Just as the priest in the Old Testament took the sacrifice for sin, once it had been completely burned up, uh, it's ashes now. No, 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 no. No, you take that to a clean place outside the city and you bury those ashes out there away from kindred, away from home, away from family, away from surroundings. We don't like that. And it bothers me to my core when you say above everything, family is the most important thing. It is not. Now that'll dawn on you when you're one of your favorite family members decide not to serve the Lord and you're going to be put in a compromising position. But it shouldn't be a compromising position at all. It is meant to tempt you, to draw you away. You really need to make up your mind now because it's coming to, to many of you. And I hate to say that, but it's going to happen. What happens here is this. You need to separate from them because Jesus, your Father, God, hates sin that much. He doesn't even want you around that which is already destroyed. Get away from it all together. In Galatians, first of all, he became a curse word. You know your Savior became a curse word. It wasn't like, oh, gee, what a lovely name, the name of Jesus. True, true. And when the world sings that, that's about as blasphemous as you can get. They don't believe that for a moment. Every time you mention his name, that's why they tell you to shut up and keep your Christianity inside the church. 
That's why they take the Ten Commandments down. That's why they tell you we can't pray after a football game. That's why they tell you you can't stand on the corner and preach. That's why they tell you you can't pass out tracts. This is a private institution. Well, my private taxes are paying for your private institution. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law. How did he do that? Being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree. The name Christian was not demand. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, that's wonderful. One person to another that saved living for the Lord should say. But we took it, this full circle, this whole thing about popularity. I'm telling you, the whole known world is suffering and dying for the cause of Christ. And it's coming right into America right now. I hate to see it coming, but I think it's absolutely necessary. Because always the church thrive, always families pull together, always churches are full during tragic times. 9-11. We, we, what? Yeah, forgot it already. 9-11. How they wanted to show Democrats, Republicans, and Independents all standing on the Capitol step, holding hands, singing Kumbaya, and praying together. Oh, see, all of America. No, not all of America. International Baptist Church, about, I think, two or three blocks from ground zero. Watch the whole thing unfold and fold up. The preacher told me, he said, you won't believe what happened. It actually looked like revival, finally. And by the way, that's often what brings revival, is brokenness, shattering, like the missionary talked about on Thursday night. All of these things are not meant to destroy you. It's to get your attention and wake up before it's too late. And it worked. People forgiving one another. People praying. Church house was filled. Preacher was preaching about Christ. Folks were being saved. And that lasted for less than a year. And many of those same people couldn't stand each other, getting divorced, hating their kids, bailing out of church. So you mean God has to treat us that way in order for us to live that way? Let me tell you what does that. When you're in the middle of everything and still want to hang on to that, he went that way. You don't want to go that way? You'll get yourself in trouble. It will ruin your life. And so this is what we're running into. Jesus was willing to go outside the camp for us. He didn't go out there for, for himself. He went out there for us. Are you listening to me? Look at, look at me. Look at me. You are not a good person. Get that in your head. You are not a good person. You're not a good person. I don't care, Granny. You're not a good person. My wife, Granny. Granny. You're not a good person. I'm not a good person. You're the reverend. First of all, I'm not a reverend. I'm a preacher. I am not a good person. You're not a good person. Why would Jesus, the Bible said, some would dare die for a righteous person. He didn't die for righteous people. He died for sinners. He come to seek and to save that which he died for, of which we all are. Except that. Because if you don't, you're not saved. You cannot be saved with that kind of thinking. 
So what happens here, Jesus said, in order to save these people, I can't do it among the crowds. I can't do it among the religious people. I can't do it among where comfort is. I have to go outside, and they're just going to have to see my body and my life torn apart. They have to watch me suffocate in my own fluids. They're going to have to watch me and listen to me say, God, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As they hear him gasp for breath, and that bubbling in his own chest begins to take place. They're going to have to watch all of that in hope that they'll turn to me outside the camp. Jesus was willing to do without the conveniences of life. By the way, that's why he went, while he was still alive. You know, he said, foxes have holes. An animal has a hole to go to. Birds have nests. These little things that we don't pay attention to. They, they have a home to go to. They, they have a nest. You know what Jesus said? By the way, he came here for you. He said, the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. It, that's why when he would get close to Bethany, he'd go to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. Not that it's a creative thing. I just want to straighten that out for some of, some of you worldly-minded people. But uh, you understand? He would go there because he had no, he had no home to go to. He'd go, he'd go back to where he was born. Most of those people never believed him. Are you listening to me? We want so much for people to like us, and I do too. Look up here. Hey, look up this way. I do too. I, I like being liked. Honestly, I do. It is not my intention to set out to make everybody hate me. I don't think Jesus did that either. So question, why did they hate him? Because they wanted to live here, and by him going out here, made them look bad. First of all, Jesus became a curse. Jesus went outside the camp to be a witness, a witness for those that would follow him. He said to follow me, pick up your cross and follow me. Leave it behind, follow me. He said, but I'm not full-time. Where did you get that from? You're a full-time Christian. Or, or, no, I'm sorry, you're, you're a part-time Christian. You're a Sunday Christian. I, I forgot that, all these different types of Christians. Are you a Christian? Let's, just, let's put it out of the line. Ready? How many of you are saved and you know for sure? Okay, so you know who I'm talking to then, right? Us. Not the church down the street. Not somebody on another planet. I'm talking to us right here. He was a witness for those that would follow him, and he was also a witness against those who would not identify with him. By him dying out here and the crowds not coming out, he said, you disidentified yourself because of me. And for those that did come out and those who did identify, he said, you disidentified yourself. Are we identifying ourselves? Is that what we're doing? The gate is the dividing point between uh, those who call themselves a Christian and those who are a Christian. Those who call themselves a Christian and those who are a Christian. The gate is what decides that. Those on this side, Jesus said, you're going to follow me, I'm out here. So I have to assume, conversely, that those inside of here are not following Christ the way he wants them to. If you call yourself a Christian, it's time to go. Quit just calling yourself one in name. 
second name. It's time to openly identify with your Savior and your Lord who went outside for us, and we need to go outside with him. What is wrong with We're hesitating. What does that mean? What difference does it make what it means? It's the right thing to do, and that's what we ought to be concerned about. Christians today seem to want all the benefits of Christianity without any of the stigma of what it may mean to go outside and, here's the word, suffer for his name. Do you know if you say that, what the, what the boss down at the job is going to say? Who made him God? You know if I raise that question at school, you know what they're going to do there? Yeah, I know. Trouble is, we won't even do that in churches anymore. We're in our Sunday school classes anymore, on our bus routes anymore. Or we have our own job. We're the boss. And we won't even talk about Christ. We have the right to do that. No, we don't. Go to John 15, please. I'd like to tell you I'm almost done. John chapter number 15. John chapter number 15. Go to verse number 18, please. John 15, starting verse number 18. Here is where a lot of people leave the Lord when he makes these types of statements. When he says, lest you eat my flesh and drink my blood. By the way, he's not for cannibalism. That's not what that means at all. You have no part with me. Up to that point, he fed them, did miracles. He prayed for them. He watched over them. He, he did everything like, like taking care of a, a small child. You have to do everything for him. Then he said, okay, now from now on, it's going to be about me. All about me. That's what he meant by eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Okay, It's like, it's like uh, Lord's Supper. We're not eating his flesh and we're not drinking his blood. What he meant was all-out consecration. It's time for you to come outside with me. He said, if you will not pick up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy. He didn't say you weren't saved. Watch what this says, if you would, in John chapter 15, starting at verse number 18. If the world hates you, you know it hates See, that's outside the camp. They hate him. They should hate me. I'm not a better Christian than Jesus. I don't get along with people better than he did. Only thing he ever did was go about doing good. Or, yeah, doing good. Watch what it says here. If the world, uh, I'm sorry, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. Why does the world accept you so easily out there? Because you're just a super nice guy. So let me get straight. You're even better than Christ or the Apostle Paul or Timothy. John the Baptist. Then why aren't you being persecuted? Watch what he said. God makes it very clear. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you, there it is, out, out of the world. Therefore, the world, he is making a statement, the world should hate you because you are with me. This is the thing we've lost from first century Christianity to today's popularity Christianity. I'm telling you, I, I honestly believe all this is changing, and it's about time. I don't want to see it coming, but I think it's necessary that it come. Verse number 20. Look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant, it, there it is. See there, that's what I've been telling you. You're not greater than Jesus. 
greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Why are we not being persecuted? Well, we're just getting along with people. So Jesus didn't want to get along with people. See, we're not thinking anymore. We're falling into societal Christianity. If they have kept my word, they'll keep your word. Those who keep my word, they'll keep your word. Those who love me will love you. Those who do what I ask will do what you ask. Why? Same Bible. Watch what he says. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. You ever notice that even in Jesus' day, it was the, let's call them churchgoers, that gave him the hardest time? Religious people. You, you need to be, when, when I used to work for a living, it's amazing how many people on the job will side with everybody against you. And they'll say they're Christians. They'll set you up in a minute to embarrass you and shame you and get you to back down. Been there, done that. So look at verse number 20. Verse 22, if I, if I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not seen me. But now they have no, what's the next word? Cloak. They have nothing to hide behind. God, in these verses right here, is simply taking the cloak that they think they're hiding behind and going, he's not true. To us too. To us too. Watch what he says. He that hateth me hateth my father also. Verse 24, if, if, if I had not done among them the works which other which, which, I'm sorry, which none other man did, they had not sinned. In other words, they wouldn't know, but I did, so they do know. But now have they both seen and, 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 and uh, hated both me and the father. But, but this cometh to pass that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in the law, they hate me without a cause. Jesus said they had no cause to hate me, and they will really have no cause to hate you if you're following me and we're outside the camp, but they're inside going, let's see there, you don't need to go that far. What's wrong with these people? Oh, that's old-fashioned, Christian. Somebody tell me what's wrong with old-fashioned. It's not old-fashioned Christianity. It's Bible Christianity. So what happens here? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 12. Yea, and all that will live godly shall suffer persecution. Shall. You can't get out of it. It comes with the name. You will not suffer for Christ, nor even know him well within the gates of popular Christianity. Paul said that I may know him and the fellowship of his suffering. To know him and fellowship with him, you have to suffer with him. His reproach. Nor within the walls of materialism and comfort, me first mentality, modern Christian fad, flash, and fanfare. It can't, folks, you say, preacher, you're drawing a pretty hard line. Yes. Actually, I didn't draw it. Jesus did. 
Why not go all the way out? I, I guess that's what I'm asking. Why not just throw the gauntlet down and say, that's it, I, I've had it. Let's just go all the way over here and be a, not a name, a Christian. I tell people all the time, okay, you got married and you're a husband, now you need to earn the name. Now you are the foreman on the job, now you've got to earn their respect. Somebody gave you something, now you need to earn it, now you need to prove it. Here's what you did. Jesus, I'm sorry, please come in my heart and save me. Christian, you did it. Now we need to be a disciple. Not all disciples are saved. Not all disciples are following Christ. But all that follow Christ should be disciples. A learner and a follower of Christ. This is why you're not a recovering fundamentalist. Fundamental means to follow the teachings and or person that started a movement. That would be Jesus. So you're telling me you're recovering from that? See, we're not thinking that. Why we're arguing about things as foolish as that, we're backing away from being identified with Christ, yet claiming the name. I'm a Christian. Why, why do you have to keep telling people that? Why do you have to keep telling people that? Why not go all the way out and identify yourselves clearly? Is this not why women are changing their dress code? Is this not why we don't carry a Bible, we carry a phone? Is this not why we grow things on us? Back in the 70s, afros were in only for white folks. And all of a sudden, everybody's hair was really naturally curly. That's why they did that. Then all of a sudden, bald was in. And those with the long hair and afro, all of a sudden they become bald. You say, preacher, are you against one or the other? No, there's, it's not sin either. My point is, what are you following? Okay, now watch. Well, I've never really believed that. Oh, okay, so you just change your mind. That makes everything okay. Jesus Christ, the same. At least today. No. Yesterday and today. Whatever happens in the future, he's going to be the same. One of the hardest things for us to do is stay the same. I don't mean you just learn what's in first grade and you're not learning another thing. You're not becoming a rebel by learning anymore. That's not what that means. When you improve yourself for Christ, that's one thing. When you change, you're not following. guess we're ashamed of his cross. We, we sing we're not. The old rugged cross, I'll ever be true, it's shame and reproach. How, how are we going to bear that? Oh, glad, oh, oh, gladly. Well, I'm a Christian, I'm not allowed. Well, that's what happens to Christians. Well, I'll be glad when Jesus comes back. I'm in the Marlena Evans died of cancer after, I think, 10 or 12 years of fighting with cancer. She made an amazing statement. A 
because it appeared that every time she went to the doctor, there seemed to be some hope, and then, then she'd go back into cancer again. And then there seemed to be some hope, and she'd go back into cancer again. And it dawned on her one time talking to her preacher and praying, you know something? I'm dying, looking forward to dying. Do you know what she said? I think I'm going to live until I die. And she didn't mean just breathing. She meant live. Amen. Till I die. Now you're going to die. And you're leaving everything behind. Everything. Everything you got to stay here. Everything that we have compromised to get. <coughs> stay in here. <coughs> the one you compromised about is the one you're going to meet. So we got this whole thing kind of backwards. Being outside the gate leaves no question as to where you stand in your Christianity. So number one, sin was taking outside the gate. Jesus suffered outside the gate. And number three, let's go outside the gate. Let's just, let's just make up our mind. If Christ went outside and the apostles went outside and our sins were taken outside, then should we go outside also? Doesn't that just make sense? Go to Romans chapter number six. Romans chapter number six. I didn't know the snow made you so sleepy and tired. Is it warm in here? Is that what it is? Do, do something. Do, do this. Oh, I feel so much better. Woo. That always helps. Or gather in air. It's like people that swim. You ever watch people that don't know how to swim? They spread their hands like this, like they're grabbing for water. That's not the way you swim. You cut the water. It's not a swimming class. I just thought I'd tell you about that. Now, Romans, now you know. Now, in case you're drowned, you know how to swim, right? Romans chapter number 6. Look, look at verse number 6. Romans 6, verse number 6. Know this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, and henceforth we should not serve sin. Everybody's tempted. Everybody's sin. But the key word there, he said, serve it. Get into it. Let it have its place. Don't worry about it. It's going to be okay. Everybody does anyway. You're serving sin. Go down to verse number 11. Likewise, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore, keyword, reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Lust is not always just something sexual. There's a lust for power. There's a lust for recognition. There's a lust for money. There's a lust. All of these things are lusts. We all have some of these, if not all of them, inside of us. That ye should obey. Neither yield your members, that's your physical body, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin. But yield yourselves to God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have, here it is, dominion over you. For ye are not under law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under it? God forbid. Where we get this idea? Well, I'm saved and set at liberty. And he give you a right to sin. He give you a right to do what you want to do. We have a right to do what God wants us to do. So what happens here? If Christ went outside and Jesus went outside and our sins are outside, then should not we go outside? But here's what I need to recognize. First of all, I must recognize where I am. Where am I? Inside or outside? Am I inside or am I outside? 
Am I inside with everybody that's popular and says it's okay, or am I outside with Jesus that was judged as being worthy of capital punishment? And he was. That just fries us, doesn't it? But it's not true. And he opened not his mouth. It just kills us when somebody says something. has taught us to do that. My Bible teaches me in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, love thinketh no evil. This is why it's so easy to get over on Christians. We're not supposed to be thinking like the world. They think evil. I know what you're up to. Yeah, I know why you did that. Well, yeah, other people did that. That's probably what I would have done. That's what the world thinks. But the Bible says love thinketh no evil. It's just, huh? Why would they do that? It kind of catches us off guard. So here it is. First of all, I must recognize when I'm, am I inside? Do I compromise my beliefs and convictions? Do I have any? Do I have any convictions? Are you inside? Have I let up on my standards and now kind of blend in? Am I worldly? Am I becoming more worldly? Then you're becoming less godly. Cannot go together. Have I ceased from telling others about Jesus? Do I no longer care about others for whom Jesus died? Then I am inside. That's what's popular. That's what Christianity does. That's what Christianity promotes. That we all sit around, get fat on listening to other people teach us Bible, and we go on with our life. In the latter days, men shall heap to themselves teachers, having itching. They just want to hear something new. I heard that story. I heard that before. Ah, the same old thing. Ah, whatever. They're, they're, they're inside. Secondly, am I outside? How would I know if I'm outside? Okay, I just told you some things you would know whether you're still inside. Do you compromise your beliefs and convictions? Do you have any? You're still inside. Have I let up on my standards? Am I blending in with others, even those who claim Christianity, but are not really doing what God said? Then I'm very worldly. Secondly, am I outside? Do worldly Christians, churchgoers, and unsaved not want you around? Why does your lost relative than mine know your name and number? Do you remember when you were first saved? We kind of wrote this off as I didn't realize what I was doing. How you irritated the rest of your family. Remember that? You didn't set out to do it. You're just praying over your cereal. Brought your Bible out on the kitchen table and was just reading. Right? You weren't doing this. Oh, God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the God of Moses and the law and Jeroboam and all the bone boys and all that. You didn't do that. And one day they said like this, you think you're better than we are, don't you? I have never said that to a person here ever in my life. Oh, you think you're better than us just because you go to church. better off than you because I'm saved. Do worldly Christians, churchgoers and unsaved not want you around, then you're outside the game. Now just think about your friends, the way they live. Why does it not matter? Why do they invite you? I mean, really, wouldn't you ruin the whole party? 
I mean, seriously, just by you thinking you were allowed to be there. Oh, this is what Miller got for his birthday. Justin, take his things. Hey, Justin, good to see you, buddy. Hey, we're glad you showed up. Hey, Justin's here. Do they constantly argue, challenge, and mock your convictions, your standards, your separation, and Bible beliefs? Hey, you go to church. Let me ask you a question. Why do they do that? You do this at your church. Here's what we do. Why do you do that? You know that's not necessary, right? Is that what they do? Why do they constantly tell you that's not necessary? Or you don't need to go that far just to be a Christian? Why do they tell you that? Can you go too far to be a Christian? Can a person actually be too holy, too right, too separated, too sold on God? Is that possible? I didn't say weird. I said Bible beliefs. Then you're outside. Praise the Lord. You are outside. The Bible teaches friends with the world is at enmity. That's not a misprint. That means your life is fighting against the cause of Christ. It's E-N-M. But then before the verse is over, it says you're his enemy. It goes on and says this, Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. So, question, ready? Friends with the world? with the world, you are the enemy. Outside the camp, the rest of the world may not be real fond of you. But Jesus is there with you. We have to make up our mind what we want to do. First, I must recognize where I am. And second, I must recognize whose I am. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. It's amazing. We're all Native American givers. Indian givers. Sure we are. Jesus, I'll do anything. Please just take my life and save me. And it isn't long after that we start taking things back. Well, I mean, you can't live like that all your life. First Corinthians. I know it's there today. Go forward if you're still in Romans. If You need to quit shutting your Bible. Because I'm working towards being done. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, if you think this is all the Bible that I've got to prove this point, I, I could go on for hours, seriously. I'm not going to. I'm just not going to do it. Look at verse number 19 and 20. Question, ready? What? What? Here, sit up. Put your back up. Good boy. What? Question mark, right? Is this a question? I don't believe it. Is this a question? Watch what he says. What? Know you not that your spirit in your heart that people can't see? Is that not part of the argument today? You don't know my heart. No, but I can see what you're doing. And even a child is known by their doing. Right? That's what Proverbs says. He's talking to adults about, look, even kids, we, we identify them whether they're a brat or not by what they do. Right? 
parents with kids, we listen to me? Okay, now, so what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Temple. Lives there. Which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For you're bought with a price. Therefore, because of that, because you're bought with a price, you are to glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. Well, I think this is okay. Don't care what you think. Make a hell of beans to me. Not at all. Probably doesn't to God either. You say, well, I think he understands. Oh, he understands everything. He even understands when you lie to yourself and lie to other people. He understands. He understands why we won't go outside the gate with his son. and be. He understands. Make all the excuses we want to. He understands why we will not do that. His son died on a cross outside. I just think it's time for us to go. No, I don't mean go. Because we ain't. Go outside the gate. You know what's out there? That's where they took your sins. You know who's out there? Jesus Christ. That's where he died and gave his life for your sins. And then he said, pick up your cross and follow me. I'm all for having a good time. Seriously, I am. I love to cut up, have a good time. But I think we have decided without even being told anything that would stop that. We just got to let it play out for ourselves. So is the world glad to see you at the party? Will your relative, well, you know, preacher, there's my uncle. You guys don't drink. Can I put this to your refrigerator? Uh, yeah, I guess. Why didn't you say no? My mom smoked uh, Lucky Strike. All of those. Like a champ. And when we got saved, If that's the way you're going to be, that is the way you're going to be. Okay, where would you draw the line? Shooting up drugs? Well, you know I'm an addict. <laughs> what? See, you're not thinking. Where would you draw the line? Beer in the refrigerator? No. Dope in the bag they're not using, but at least he put it away. I've, I've never, I'm sorry, I... There's a lot of things I don't understand. I'm not trying to be ignorant. I don't understand people saying, well, at least I don't drink at a bar. At least I drink in my own house. Oh, you mean where your wife and kids are? I'd rather you drink at the bar if you're going to or out in the woods somewhere. Why in the world would you want to drink around your own kid? You act like that's really a smart thing to do. No, you're just telling your kids it's okay, but do it at the house. It's time to go on. Go to where Jesus went. You know where that was? Outside. Be quiet. Listen to me. Outside. Go, go, go do what Jesus did. What did he did? He died for others outside. It's time to go to believe what Jesus taught. You know what he taught? You need to follow me outside. That's what he taught. There's no place in it where it says, win over everybody by compromise. No place in the Bible. That is today's Christianity, though. To get away from what or who he says get away from, Jesus.
Jesus despised and was harder on religious people more than anybody else you'd like to know. He did not get along with the woman at the well. He sat there to witness to the woman at the well. He did not touch lepers to show that he had that right with God the Father him. He did that for their salvation and to point them to God. He didn't just go and eat with them. He didn't just hang out with them to show them we're not much different. How can you do that? How can you do that? How can you look at people you know, cuss, run around, sleep around, do the things they want to do? How can you do that? And you say, well, everybody sins. He said, dominate your life. Reigning sin. When you're fussing with sin and trying to stand for what's right, everybody does it. Every Christian does that. Shake your head yes. Want to hear it rattle? Everybody does. He's outside. Outside the gate. Be quiet, folks. Listen. Someone said, I'd give the world to be as happy as you are. The Christian smiled and said, that's what I had to do. You, you think doing what you want is what's making you happy. I hate to say this. If you're talking about your Savior, you know what that is. Most of you Christians in here have more now than you've had when you've ever come to church. Why are you not happy? Because the very things God gave you, you're locked into and it's taking you away from him. It's the giver, not the gifts. J, uh, Oswald J. Smith said this, to obtain God, now this all sounds backward, so that's why the world doesn't teach this. To obtain God's best, we must give him our best, which is what we do in our life. To win, we must surrender. To live, we must die. To receive, we must give. Now, all that sounds backward, doesn't it? But it's Bible. Hebrews 13, 13. Let us go forth, therefore, unto him without the gate. Bearing his cross, his shame, his identification. We carry the name, but it doesn't mean anything anymore. It started off as a personal an embarrassment, an identification with someone who deserved capital punishment. Somewhere along the line, we say, oh, no, I'm a Christian. And most of it's in name only. Are we embarrassed? openly live all out for Jesus because of his high expectations of what he thinks of the world is that what Paul thinks I'll be embarrassed I'll be ashamed what will people say of me do we not openly verbally witness of him to those around us because of what people may say about us The world needs to see Jesus. He's not here. You're the only identification of Christ on this planet. It's no wonder most of the Christian world lives almost like lost folk. I think it's time to go. 
I think it's time to go outside the gate. My Savior's out there. He took my sin out there. And he told me to follow me out there. If I'm in here, I identify with this. And if I'm out here, I identify with that. All I'm asking you folks tonight is, are we slowly heading in the wrong direction? Is it not time that we simply drop enough. I'm living for Christ. That's all I'm going to do. Isn't it time for that?